Welcome to Torn Stubs with me, your host, photographer Robert Gershenson, and Joshua Winning, the greatest film critic you've never heard of. And we're going to the movies. We watched Scott Pilgrim vs. the World from 2010, directed by Edgar Wright. Scott Pilgrim is dating a high schooler. He is directionless, drifting along post-university. So he's the fleabag of his day. He's the, f- the male fleabag in Canada. And he runs across a beautiful woman called Ramona Flowers. And in- he discovers that he has to defeat her seven exes if he wants to date her. Um, which is going to be more difficult than expected because all of his, all of her exes have like crazy fight combat powers. Um, <laughs> Did you see this film when it was released? I fucking love this film. I, I read all the comics before the film came out. Did you read the comics because you saw them as comics or did you read them because you knew a film was coming out of Scott Pilgrim? I think I read them because I went through a phase of just reading graphic novels Mm -hmm. and i discovered scott pilgrim and i devoured them it's i think it's seven books yeah i think it was six and then the seventh was released after the film when the film came out or just after yeah so i'd seen i've read the first six loved them didn't completely get them like they're they're a very strange almost like genreless kind of i've never really read anything that was that kind of um, witty but dry, like really dry humor, uh-huh. but also involved lots of pop culture references, very video gamey. Um, so it's the video because I've, I mean, I know I have copies of the comics. Have you not? Have you never read them? I haven't read all of them. Oh, I right. think I've read up until about halfway through the first one. Okay, it's not necessarily for me. Yeah, um, but I was very kindly bought the books by someone <laughs> who shall remain nameless um you many years ago yeah i loved them and so when the film was coming out i was so 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 excited i was at comic con when it was first shown but i didn't get into screening because they, they were like handing out secret passes randomly outside one of the hall rooms um was it hall age <clears throat> i think it was a different one it was all very secretive and i just didn't get into it, it was, i was very very sad I think it's better than the comics. I think it's... it's I, this film, it just makes me... I'm just smiling the whole way through it. I just find it hilarious and weird. And it's so quirky and different. I just love that we live in a world where this film exists. It's just so cool. I saw it once in the cinema okay. 10 years ago. Oh, wow. And I okay. genuinely enjoyed it. Yeah. Genuinely, genuinely enjoy it. And I think it's actually Edgar Wright's best film. I actually agree. Yeah, it's... It's just so coherently one thing doing its own thing. Mm. It's got a real, it's got a definite sense of humor. Um, and I think that he does some really clever stuff where, you know, so many times films like this end up just intolerable because the, the flashy graphics kind of get in the way and get annoying. Yeah. Um, this is full of really fun silly kind of graphics and i've got a list that i'll go through later on because oh, i just i made a list don't of, go through them now all right so this is my list of my favorite visual gags in scott pilgrim uh-huh. um the first one is the pee bar so oh yeah 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 when scott goes for a wee when he's standing over the toilet a pee bar flashes up above him and slowly empties as he goes for a wee uh-huh. um every single character has a name tag that flashes up on the screen when they're introduced yeah um and it's often to the kind of the detriment of that character so it will say <laughs> so-and-so knows everybody or i think um is it young neil when it's like this is young neil and then the name just goes young neil that's it 
Um, I love the fact it's young Neil. Yeah. <laughs> Neil Young. <laughs> yeah. Um, the bit where Roxy punches the highlights out of Knives Chow's hair. Mm, yes. He punched the highlights out of her hair. Um, the measurement bar where it says, no clue, ding, gets yes. it. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. The swear box whenever Aubrey Plaza says anything. <laughs> How are you doing that with your mouth? <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Um, the one-up life that he gets. Yes brilliant um and then the the smash the word smash written behind his head that smashes when he gets punched they're like my top what seven things or the universal logo yes 8-bit at the start brilliant and also is this the only film where the universal theme tune is played mid movie maybe because it introduces chris evans's character Uh, who's an actor lucas lee yeah yeah um but so my point was that even with all these zany graphics going on, the clever thing that Edgar Wright does is that the actual kind of tangible in-world stuff, the sets, they're very brown. The characters wear kind of very hipster brown kind of clothes. It looks really British. Like It does, yes. Yeah. It really does. Look, the thing about Edgar Wright is, I think he's always been sort of in service to Simon Pegg yeah. and to a lesser degree... Nick Frost. So this was kind of the first instance where he was away from those guys and he his gloves were off. This was mm. this is him. This is his version of that comic book. And we must say that the the comic is um written and drawn by Brian Lee O'Malley. Yeah. And that's why I think it's his best film because it's the the purest representation of who he is mm. as an artist as a filmmaker would you say that edgar wright isn't at all i would probably have said that after hot fuzz because by that point you'd had spaced you'd had uh sean of the dead i was about to say sean versus but that's not right and hot fuzz and they all have a very specific look and type of humor and world and then we had Scott Pilgrim, which kind of threw everything slightly crazy. And then it was at the world's end, which was kind of part of that Cornetto trilogy, but not as good and not the same tone. And then he did Baby Driver, which is just a mess. So I don't know if I'd say he's an auteur. I'd say that he has like a style, but I'm not sure I'd call him an auteur. I'm kind of the flip. I think with Shaun of the Dead and especially Hot Fuzz, Uh he's at the complete service of the genres that those films are rooted in. Mm. But this, suddenly, he's playing by his own rules. He's creating his own visual voice. Yeah. And his visual voice kind of comes out in the edit because it's, it's the, the splicing and the, juxt- the quick, the very quick mm. just a, juxtaposition of images, one against the other, one against the other, one against the other. Yeah. That's where his voice comes out from. Um, the other films... I don't see, I don't see a, a, a personal filmmaker there. Hmm. I think this is as close as we're going to get to a personal film from Edgar Wright. Hmm, okay. I'm, inter- I'm interested to see this new Soho. What's it? One Night in Soho oh, or yeah. Last Night in Soho. Yeah, Last Night in Soho. And also he's got a Sparks documentary coming out. Sparks, the, um, the American new wave band. Oh, um, never heard of them. But this... This is probably the only Edgar Wright film that I can genuinely say I genuinely like. Right. 
that's weird that you say that you think Scott Pilgrim is is his kind of film because similarly to how you are with uh, 300 and how you know all of the visual references that, are, that originated in the comics, it's the same thing with Scott Pilgrim. There are so many images in Scott Pilgrim that are lifted directly from the comics. But how is so, how is the comic paced? Is it as... Oh, exactly the same. Is it exactly the same? Exactly That changes the same. it then. That yeah, changes yeah. it. And... I think that's similarly to Zack Snyder, you know, to credit to Edgar Wright, he found a way to perfectly translate the comics into a film. So it's not so much an adaptation as a transfer. Yeah, it's a, it's a transfer. Exactly like what Rod, Robert Rodriguez called Sin City. It was a transfer, not an adaptation. So, so even with all the kind of um, like zigzag wave effects that Edgar Wright puts on screen when they're uh-huh. playing music, is that... Yeah. present in the comic yeah yeah it's from the comic and things like right and you know when you get the text going so then that's yeah. from the comic um visuals like the overhead shot of them sitting on the swings in the snow with the shadow the cut shadow sensitive. that's from yeah, the comic that's from the comic um the the shots that changes of the door. my opinion on edgar Wright. yeah then. yeah it's i thought i had a window into finally uh, fully, because i've always considered edgar Wright the emperor the emperor's new clothes <laughs> like he is he probably is as close, not thematically, but definitely in sort of panache and, and charisma and style in his, his filmmaking mm. way that we have in this country or little fanboys and girls in this country have to a Quentin Tarantino figure that they can latch yeah. onto. Yeah. And I've always felt that he's an emperor. It's the emperor's new clothes. He's, he's not as, he's not the person that people think he is mm. or rather the filmmaker. Mm. I think he's a very competent filmmaker in the sense that he can get a film made but i've never really seen an individual voice so now to be told (laughs) the individual voice i thought he had isn't his puts me back to square one i don't know because there is the through line from spaced to um to scott pilgrim and beyond because did you ever watch spaced i've seen bits of it but right i i personally couldn't get on with it like i can't Uh, get on with the the original you know, the Ricky Gervais office. Oh, no, I can't watch that. It's too I like painful. extras. Right. But well, I don't like The Office and people find that weird. Well, with Spaced, it was all quick cuts. It was taking kind of action vernacular, but applying it to people in a bed. Pop tarts and shit. People in a bed set. Yeah, so it was yeah. like, pew, pa, pew, like Jackie Brown, that kind of like yes. that fast cut thing. Yeah. And it was really, really effective because of that setting. And I think that that continues through all of his films. And definitely in Scott Pilgrim, where the editing is on fire. It's like, when I first saw it, I'd feel like I didn't actually see the first half an hour of the film because it was like, pull, pick up, pull, pull. And like, it just was like a... That's how I feel about um, Baz Luhrmann films. Oh, but that's painful. From, from Moulin, Moulin Rouge? Yeah, Moulin yeah, Rouge yeah. and onwards. Yeah. Romeo and Great Juliet Gatsby. was fine. Ugh. Yeah, Great Gatsby was just a head Covered on the podcast. Um, how do you feel about the portrayal of the gay best friend, sidekick, played by Kieran Culkin? Yeah, I love him. I think that... Wallace. I think it's hilarious the way that he steals everyone's boyfriend. <laughs> I think... I know that, I know that the, the joke is... He's gay, therefore he is polyamorous and he can have as many boyfriends as he wants and all this kind he's of stuff. Slag. He's Yeah, that's that's the implication. But also he's just the coolest grown-up. Yeah. Like he's the most sorted. He just, yes, he's polyamorous and a slag. That's okay. No one's judging him. That's his life. Um, and he actually is the one who's going, Scott, you're a fucking mess. <laughs> Constantly. Um, but do you not feel... 
if we're looking at it objectively, Scott is looking for love mm. and he's straight. Mm-hmm. He wants the the heteronormative unit and Wallace is gay, so he's freewheeling and he sleeps around. Mm. I think there's a bit of a problem there. He's the gay sidekick yeah. who is a bit of a cliche. And yeah. looking through 2020 eyes, woke eyes, there's an issue there. Yeah, I, def- I definitely am in two minds about his rep- the way he's represented and, and what he says about being a young gay man in that weird part of Canada. Um, but it's that thing where you kind of go, he is, if he's the only gay character in the film, does he have to therefore represent every gay person in the world? You know, yes, does that course. one person have to represent in the yeah, entire... In the same way the Scott doesn't represent yeah. every single straight guy. Every yeah. straight guy is not a nerdy, anxious, um, sort of flea bag fuck up like yeah. this version of Scott. Is, is this version of Scott Pilgrim exactly the same as the book? Yeah. Yeah. So Michael Cera is the perfect role. I mean, it's the perfect he, actor to play. Um, in the comic, I think he looks a bit cuter. Mm-hmm. Um, well, they're not. They're not fully human. Yeah. In the comic, no, no, no they're like anime style. Yeah. Yeah. I think Michael Cera is the perfect Scott Pilgrim because he is. His his tie his comic timing is impeccable, and, and I think deadpan as well. Deadpan, and like I when he's like, it. "Bread makes you fat." Like, it's just so funny. And he is the kind of lead character who can only exist sort of post-millennium. Yeah. That real post-uni slacker fuck-up who is dating a high schooler, you know, who's, what, seven, eight years younger than him. Do you, um, um, do you feel sorry for Knives? Yes. Even though she's fucking irritating. <laughs> she's like a little puppy. Like, you don't want to kick the puppy. Uh, um, you drown it. I just, I think that he is... Yeah, he's great. I think he's so funny. And then when he turns into an action hero towards the end, it's mm. great. This scrawny guy who can kick ass. And like, he's actually really, really good. Um, and I think that the arc is brilliant. You know, he starts out a mess and by the end he earns the power of self-worth and <laughs> the power of self-love and he drags the sword out of his chest. It's fucking brilliant. I love it. How do you feel about the fights? Should we talk about the fights yeah. one by one? Yeah, So yeah. fight one is Matthew Patel. Yeah. Uh, played by Satya Baba. Yeah. Um, he, he is, he stole half that show for me. Uh-huh. Like the Kung Fu by way of Bollywood. <laughs> and sort of the, <laughs> the, the fringe and the sort of like the, the sassy neck movements. Uh-huh. And his like hipster demon groupies. <laughs> Dressed like a pirate. Just, yeah. just hilarious. And what a uh-huh. brilliant way to kick off the series of fights in this film. That's the moment that fight where you kind of go, holy shit. Like that's what this film is that, about. This now I'm excited because before that it's all very quirky and funny and character driven. And suddenly there's this absolute stonker of a fight that, and also staged in a way that you've never genuinely seen before. Like all like kind of the smash and the kapows and the, the like slow motion fist moving with a massive burst of color around it and well if you'd watch i mean if you i've only seen a few but if you watch anime from yes, the 90s yeah, yeah, it's exactly. completely that and the crash bang wallet power things mm. that's batman 66 yeah but it's but done in a that, modern way yes and you i mean if you play donkey kong or yeah. uh, street fighter 2 you get like pow pow on the screen yeah but that i so in that way i think that this is like the best ever representation of a video game in yes. film you know yeah and i don't i mean i haven't played video games 
since the N64. So, you know, for 25 years. So I'm complete. I'm not, even though I played them, it wasn't necessarily my thing. It's not my go-to, you know, pop culture thing from being a kid. Yeah, like, yeah, for, for me, video games, I played as maybe a 12, 13, 14 year old, played like Mega uh, Master System and stuff like that but i wasn't Sega. like yeah yeah exactly i wasn't like a huge video game fan yeah but i think that's maybe why when i first read the comics a lot of the references went over my head like sex bomb and all that stuff i didn't know that a the mushroom things in super mario were called bobombs I, th- oh, I think that's so what they're strong. called yeah right um so there's <laughs> right. lots of references that are like huh but I think that it still works, even if you don't really know video games. That's a that's the genius of when you have something so entrenched in a thing. Yeah. Making it relatable. Yeah. To people who aren't, it, it's complete. It doesn't alienate. Mm-hmm. So that, that that that's a brilliant thing. And I imagine you would just be connecting with the characterization, absolutely, and the love story. Yeah. Fight two, Lucas Lee, Lucas Chris Lee. Evans. I love how his be- his belt buckle is two X's. Because he's the second evil ex. Oh, yeah. And this actually is the film. Looking like Going back to watch it again after he's played Captain America for God knows how many films. This is the film where I went, holy shit, he, he's actually a really good actor. Oh, he's hilarious he's, in it. He's nothing like anything you've seen him do before in this. You know, he's really cocky and gruff and like voice, like Batman voice. Yeah. Um, and he like... He's texting on his phone. He's got his his um his stunt, his stunt team. It's so <laughs> funny. Some of look nothing like him. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, ha, fooled you, didn't I? <laughs> um, have you seen Snowpiercer? No, I really want to watch. Right, that. he's brilliant in Snowpiercer. Okay. But he's a he's a fantastic actor. Yeah. What had he done before? He, the Fantastic, fantastic Four, Four films. Yeah, he was in not uh, another, not another team movie. Yes, and what's your number? That horrible romantic comedy with Anna Faris. Mm, I think he I was in that. Never heard of that. He was kind of like the muscular hunk meat in a film. Yeah. And I mean, he can, his arguably still is, but now he's just a bit more nuanced. But he's <laughs> and getting a, better I, roles. You know, he's a fantastic actor. You see moments in those Marvel movies, especially like at the end, spoiler, when he's the old man on the bench, when he's old Steve Rogers. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still Steve. over it. Still over Steve. It. Yeah. Uh, fight three is my ultimate favorite. It's uh, Todd. Oh. Todd played by Brandon uh, Ruth. Yeah. Ruth, Rath, Brandon Roth. Ruth, yeah. And uh, he's the vegan. And it's very anime inspired. Yeah. The hair and the eyes. I just love that delivery the, 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 from Alison. Not Alison. Um, what the fuck is her name? Captain Brie Larson. Marvel. Brie Larson. When she's just like, didn't I tell you? Todd's a vegan. <laughs> so, I, was, she's I genuinely had forgotten that and I almost fell off the chair laughing at that line. She's completely unrecognizable. She's so, so good. Yeah. I'll be a vegan soon. When she sings that song. Oh. I fucking love, fucking love that song. Black Sheep by Metric. It's so good. Yeah. Envy, Envy Adams. I like that Brandon Ruth appears on screen mm. picking up his bass and you don't even know it's him. Mm-hmm. It's such a cool song. In fact, the music throughout the whole film, the, whole off, the music throughout the whole film is, is brilliant. It's kind of like sort of futuristic disco indie shoegaze. It's yeah. brilliant. Yeah. So sad. <laughs> the shortest song ever. Roxy Richer. Roxy. Do you know who that is? 
Um, I don't know. Do you remember the episode of Friends where Ross breaks the little girl's leg? Is that her? She's a brown bird. That is her. <laughs> and I only realised on this watch <laughs> really? that she's the brown bird. How do you know? Just because I recognised her face. Cause she was Did a... you go look it up or you just... No, she was recently in a Netflix TV show called uh, Good Girls, I think. Uh-huh. So having seen that and I was like, shit, that's that girl from Friends. Then I watched Scott Pilgrim. I was like, shit, that, that's that girl from Good Girls. Who's that girl from Friends? <laughs> <laughs> um... Punch me in the boob. Did she come so hard she turned into coins? <laughs> That's the only bit where I was a bit like, um, you defeated her by... All the, all the men you defeated by fighting and the, the bisexual lesbian you defeated by Well, the touching, bisexual bisexual touching, as opposed to the bisexual lesbian. Yeah, touching the back of her knee. Yeah, that was a bit silly. But she still came into coins. But I do like that they acknowledged the fact that he's a man fighting a woman... And then he has Ramona doing the punching for him. Yeah, That was really fun. Yeah. If, if he had been fighting the girl and punching the girl on his own, we would have been saying, I'm not allowed to punch women. And then the fact that Ramona had to punch through Scott, we're saying, can she not fight her own fights? You know, it's, it was like a, a lose-lose situation on that. But, but there's, there's a whole double speak throughout the whole film. Mm. Like, can't you fight your own fights? Is something that ex-girlfriends might say to the new girlfriend yeah. and vice versa. Um, saying like I'm gonna go I'm off to what's it I'm gonna go get a life because he's taking yeah, yeah. the extra life or they blew the roof off and literally the roof has been yeah. blown off I yeah. love the double speak in, in this film and it's all around relationships and yeah. obviously playing music fight five my other my other favourite line is you kicked my heart in the ass <laughs> what <laughs> I don't remember that one fight five the Katayanga twins yes Katayanga twins, yeah. I said it correctly. Avatars and Monsters. Brilliant. Which is genius, because otherwise it's just a, a series of crash bang wallops between Yeah. You know, you've got seven you've got five or you got no, you've got six fights here. Yeah. Seven people, six fights. That is a lot to cram into one film. And the first one isn't until about half an hour the or end so. of the first act. Yeah. yeah. But it could get repetitive, but yeah. each one is is it's has its own flavour. Yeah. And this one just happens to be Avatars. And monsters. Yeah. Fight six is obviously Gideon. Jason Schwartzman in brilliant cameo. Perfect. He's he's like the smarmy ex that you're just like, you're too cool and you know it. And I hate that. Yeah, he's great. And I love that his sword is made out of pixels. Yeah. Like when I first did that, I was like, what's happened to my eyes? Because it's really weird the way it moves. He is the big boss. He's a big boss, yeah. And it's, a, it's, it, it's such a genius idea that he would die and then use his one-up life to revert back to the save point in the mm. video game and have to start again. Yeah, brilliant. It's brilliant. Yeah. The ending of the film is actually better than the ending in the comics. Okay. They still have the fight at Gideon's, but then there's this whole thing, I think, where I think Gideon has his own seven X's and they're like in a frozen cryo chamber that comes down from the ceiling or something. And they do a team up. I think so. I can't remember, but how much of the six books mm. that were published before the film came out are in the film? Pretty much all of it. Fuck. Yeah. Like, I mean, then they've condensed it down. So what yeah, is, yeah. what is missing from all the other stuff? Because this, this, I don't feel like anything's missing. I don't feel like anything's been rushed or skipped over. No, I think that they just maybe cut down on, certain scenes so there, there, there definitely are things that are missing i think maybe there's another party they go to 
that maybe they cut out. Um, it's been a long time since I read them, but yeah, it's it's very, very much true to the comics. Which I've learned today. Edgar Wright has no voice. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you think about Ramona? Oh, God, I, I really like her. Do you? She's so cynical. Yeah. And she's so unenthusiastic about everything. But, you know, she likes what she likes. And she realizes... I mean, she, Scott's not the only one who has an arc. She uh-huh. has her own arc where she realizes, actually, you know what? I've tried all these seven people. I just need to try me. Mm-hmm. I, I, on this watch, I think actually on previous watches as well, I've found her amazing to start with because she's almost like that manic pixie dream girl. She's very cool. She's very awesome. You know, she's too good for Scott. Like she's... He's, she's too cool. He's a fuck up and she's really cool. Well, she's too cool. He's, it's, it's like the breakfast club. She's yeah. Ali Sheedy, but a cool version. Yeah. And he is Michael Anthony Hall. Yeah, that's true. They're never going to, you know, it's not going to work. Yeah. But then she is massively subjected to the, to the male gaze. You know, there's a whole scene where they're in her bedroom and there's that really kinky shot of her in her underwear where she's like leaning over him. Yeah. Um, that's just a bit like, um, yeah, I'm sure girls have sex, but at the same time, it's but, just the way it was shot was a bit like... But he is topless in his in that scene as well. But you, you see all of her, you know? Um, it's all about her body. It's well, not you about see, his. You see her from behind in a bra. You don't see anything else. Then you see... Then you do. Do you? They're on the bed together and it's just a shot of her on the bed. I don't remember that. Yeah, yeah. You see it's, uh, you see. Everything. Is that sign of the times or is Edgar Wright pervert? I think it's basically <laughs> t- pandering to nerd culture. You know? Maybe. Um, got to get, get the hot girl in her pants. Um, and then she kind of loses a lot of agency throughout the film because it's Scott's story. Um, well, she just becomes a a, a, a plaything for Gideon. She's yeah. owned by him. She's He's got... You know, the, the he's in he's in my head, literally. He's yeah. got the thing at the back of her neck. Yeah. The only thing that I felt was slightly kind of superfluous was the Nager Scott at the end. It was like they just tacked it on just to have a fun joke. That Is that from the comic? I can't remember, possibly. Because when that came on, I was like, but it's done. Why yeah, do we finished. need another fight? Mm. And then they subverted my expectation by, oh, they're just having a chat. We're going to go get takeaway yeah. next week. He's actually a really nice guy. We've got a lot in common, <laughs> right? I just, yeah. I think, I think it's a, it's a, it's a great little joke. I, yeah. I don't feel that it's tacked on. I just think it's a bit of a, 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 a subversion. But I like the cynical tone throughout with a lot of these characters. I feel this film has carried on a great tradition. Um, of teen dramas yeah. that has some have come before and there have been things after. So you've got things like Heathers and Mean Girls before and after you've got uh, End of the Fucking World mm. and this new thing on Netflix, also based on comics, both of those. Um, I Am Not Okay With This. Yeah. Written by the same guy who wrote End of the Fucking World. Very mm. cynical, very British as well. You know, you yeah. watch End of the Fucking World and it is British. Because yeah. it's said in Britain, it's got such a British sense of humour. But then when you watch I'm Not Okay With But then with he's this, wearing kind of Nicolas Cage tropical shirts and stuff in it as well. So it's kind of got that American... It's, yeah, it's definitely Americana. Well. Yeah. But when you watch I'm Not Okay With This, even though it's said in America with some of the kids from the It film mm. in the cast, it feels completely British. Right. But then on the flip side, you've got something like Sex Education, which is yeah. British, but it feels... So American. So American. Yeah, like unreal. So it's this weird... Netflix mm. mishmash where they're going well we need to sell it to both markets so yeah. we just need a bit of a blend 
But I wonder if that's why when Scott Pilgrim came out in cinemas, it was a flop. It was oh, a, it was just it was disappeared. Box didn't office. It? No one. I feel like it's still like one of the great undiscovered films of our lifetime. Like yeah. that, I mean, it was my favorite film of 2010 when we did our countdown last mm. year. Um, but it, you know, the budget was 60 million. The box office was 48 million. It was dismal as fuck. And it's such a shame, but I think maybe that kind of dry humor, that really, that brown um, sort of grounded set design, I think that maybe it just confused people and it was maybe just too ahead of its time. No one really knew, like the jokes about veganism 10 years ago, the only people who were talking about veganism were vegans. Whereas now everyone's talking about veganism. Oh God, it, it just feels from, since the new year happened, since January, like all companies have been advertising yeah. about plant-based this yeah. meat-free that veganuary but then the, like the cast as well was so ahead of its time you've got captain marvel and captain america in one th- and superman and superman yeah you've got it's anna- the dc you know, and marvel crossover yes. that we didn't know happened got anna kendrick mary elizabeth winstead she's Aubrey not annoying Plaza. in this film she's really funny she's brilliant like when she's like oh sorry i had to leave or like wallace again yeah <laughs> It's oh, such yeah, a when cast. she's out the window, I had to leave. Yeah. <laughs> then go. How did you get out there? <laughs> and then think things like the the fact that Ramona keeps turning up in his dreams, and then a throwaway line explains it. She's like, "Oh, there's a super highway that goes through your head." It, I don't think they have it in Canada. It's just like <laughs> this random weird thing that is so brilliant and yet flippantly because it doesn't up. take place in the real world. Yeah, it takes place in this cynical, kinetic offbeat environment well it takes place in a world where you finish university you don't have a job you don't know what the hell you're doing with your life and you share a bed with share a, a bed gay with, guy yeah and it you just it's not reality because everything is so heightened your emotions are so all over the place you have no idea what's going on the world just seems like this insane crazy place because it is um and i think that that's why this film really works because it does tap into that feeling even if it is visually insane but does it carry through with that with those themes is that because that's not what the film is about it's Mm. not about aimlessly going through life and trying to find a place it's not it's not fleabag in that sense Mm. it's a romantic story it's very simple it's i want that girl i've got to defeat the seven evil exes so here's a question is the film just mainly on the surface when you peel that surface back is there really not much going on underneath? Um, I just think it's very focused. It's just got a very singular focus. It tells one story. It's not trying to fix Scott's life, but it, it's kind of telling you that if he can sort out this one thing, maybe he'll be okay and he'll be able to sort out everything else. That's what I took from that. And like he earns his self-worth and everything. So, Do you think re-watching this film is going to make you reevaluate something like Baby Driver? Mm, why because it's so good and baby driver isn't <laughs> <laughs> i just because i feel with with edgar Wright, the problem i've always had is that he's so visually stylish or has a visual style yeah not necessarily consistent and yeah. now you've kind of squashed any idea that i think he might have had a voice <laughs> with this but in the case of baby driver so much was made of the visual style and the dancing and the music and the, that kind of aspect to it, that it completely covered up the fact that the rest of the film was completely empty. Yeah. If you take away the visual style of Scott Pilgrim, what exactly are you left with? Well, nothing really. <laughs> but I think that's okay. I think that 
the thing with Baby Driver is that there was nothing unique about it. There was nothing that made it its own thing. It was so derivative mm. and kind of just not having fun with the stuff that it was playing around with. Whereas Scott Pilgrim is this like this like cornucopia of stuff and it draws from so many different places and pieces it together in a way that is so inventive and so unique and so different that actually that is the film. You know, it it presents this world that is fascinating and different and you just want to be and just be there and watch it. It's like saying, would you watch Avatar if they took away the blue aliens? Well, that's fundamental to actually. the film. <laughs> <laughs> I would. Um, Do you want a sequel? No. No, I don't think so. I, but I don't... No, because what would it be? Hmm. Scott Pilgrim... Ver- I mean, this one's called for Scott Pilgrim versus the world. What would the next one be? Scott Pilgrim versus the universe. So what happens in the seventh book in, in the series? Because that oh, was just part the, end. the film. Well, they they did the film having spoken to Brian Lee O'Malley about what he was doing in the comics. Oh, okay. Um, so it's a J.K. Rowling yeah, situation. Or yeah, a yeah. Game of... No, not Game of Thrones, because they've diverted from the books, haven't they? Yeah, but they still spoke to George R. R. Martin about what yeah. he was planning. So I think that they... With Game of Thrones, they said that they basically got to the same point that George R. R. Martin's going to get to, but they went a different route to him. Right. So... No, I don't, I don't think it needs a sequel. Because no. a sequel will just diminish it in any way. Unless they can find a way, you know, like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Yeah. It's so different to Bogus Journey. Yeah. If they could find a way to do not the same thing, it's the same spirit, but a completely different thing. It would have to be a different environment. It would have to be like Scott getting his first office job. Like, yeah. like a new thing for him to fight. Um, it's like Adrian Mole will always grow up in yeah, the books. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, maybe it would work. It's been too long. I maybe. Think. It would Just have, leave it. It would have to become a resurgent, ridiculously huge hit for them to even consider doing a sequel. Yeah. it's just so expensive. But maybe Netflix would do something. A series. I could or a see, reboot. Yeah, I wouldn't mind watching like a 20-minute animated version. That could be fun. Or like eight 20 minute episodes just like a bob's burgers version of scott pilgrim i'd watch that <laughs> bob's burgers i've never seen bob's burgers it's brilliant that was scott pilgrim versus the world directed by edgar wright Give us a clue for the next one. Uh, the next one, we're going mischievous with a, a Scandinavian god. Ooh, deep car. I mean, I know what the film is, and even I don't get that <laughs> reference. <laughs> Uh, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, and TuneIn Radio so you don't miss that episode. And we're on Twitter at TornStubsPod. Let us know how much you love Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. And that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> we're off together live. Until next time, I remain Robert Gershenson. I'm Josh Irwinning. Cut! <laughs>